Can you all hear me now? Yes. All right. Sometimes I tease Pastor John, come in on Sunday, he'll be like, are you uh, ready to preach today? And I'll be like, I was supposed to preach today? <laughs> Don't do that to me. <laughs> uh, but seriously, it's, it, it's great to be here and it's great to uh, worship God and it's great to, uh, to participate in his work. And uh, it's, um, I, I always look forward to church on Sunday and, and, uh, and I always look forward to being in, uh, in fellowship with uh, God's people here in the body of Christ. And uh, so it's great to be in the presence of God and his people. And, and we all should remember that he just loves us so much that he's given his very best. He's given us his son because he loves us so much. Let us open with prayer. Gracious Father, we come before you today, and Lord, we love you so much, and Lord, we're so thankful for everything that you give us, Lord. Father, even our sense of humor and, uh, and, and, uh, and the fun that we have, you've given us that, Lord, and just even those little things like that, we're so grateful that you have thought about us in such a way that you want us to enjoy life and that you want us to enjoy one another and that you want us to participate in the work that you're doing this earth. And Father, we're just thankful for all the good things, for the food that you put on our table, Lord, the roof over our heads. And, and Father, that we can come here peacefully and worship you. And Father, as we move forward the service today, we just ask that your spirit teaches us and speaks to each one of us today that, that your word overflows our hearts, Lord, and into the lives of others that are outside of this place when we leave today. And Father, we just ask that you continue to work in us and that you continue to bless us, that we accomplish your will and purpose in our lives. And Father, again, we just ask that you teach us today in Jesus' holy name. Amen. It's great that we get to serve a God who wants us to be confident and firm in our faithfulness towards him. And as, as we grow in relationship with him and understanding of how wonderful, mighty, and glorious of a God that we serve. Because God cares for us so deeply. He wants us to know that we can be confident in our salvation. He wants us to know that we can be confident in the faith that we have. He isn't just a God who uh, is there to punish us and a God that's there to attack everything that we do in our wrongdoing. As we just heard Miss Fleming teach us just a minute ago in Hosea, that God was showing that even in the unfaithfulness of his people, he's still faithful to us. He loves us even when we're not showing our love to him. And that's a wonderful thing that we have to experience in God. And uh, I thought that I'd share a little bit about our confidence that we can have in our salvation today and by sharing a little bit about what we've learned in John chapter 14 in our Bible study class that we've been having. And so I'm really going to focus a little bit on John chapter 14 today. And, uh, you know, God really does not want us to blindly follow him. He isn't a God that says, just do this and, uh, and don't worry about anything else. He isn't a God who doesn't give you evidence of who he is and give you reason to trust the things that he says. He wants us to trust him. God doesn't want us to think that he is out of reach. 
He desires that each of us can find him and want to have a personal relationship with him. God isn't just one that's up there who never speaks to us and never talks to us and never shares who he is and never shares his love with us. We know that he is the one true God and he's not vicious, he's not vindictive, he's not one who is out to get us. He is one who loves us with an everlasting love, a love that never fails. One who is patient, he's kind and forgiving and understanding. Does he chastise us from time to time? Well, what, what loving parent doesn't chastise their children when they're doing wrong? He wants us to learn and he wants us to grow. He wants us to understand that he is there, that he is long-suffering, and that he is caring. How many of us, if our kid was getting ready to run across the street, our little child would not chastise them and correct them and let them know that there's dangers in doing that? Why do we do that? Because we're being mean to our child and when they want to run across the street? Or are we doing it because we love them? And God, God is the same way with us. He wants us to know that we, he loves us and that he will never give up on us as we seek to have a deeper and greater understanding of who he is. As we grow in relationship with Christ, he will draw ever closer to us. His will is that all be saved. John 3.16 tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. There is a promise that every one of us can lean on that's scriptural and that has foundational basis in the truth and love of God. Let us take a moment now and go to John chapter 14, starting in verse 1. And as we head there, I'd just like to remind you a little bit about the background here. Jesus just got done telling his disciples that there was going to be trouble. He just told them that Judas was going to betray them, betray him, and turn his back on him. And he even told Judas, what you're going to do, make sure you do it quickly. He told Peter, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. You're going to deny that you even know me. And I'm sure that these were shocking things that Jesus was sharing with the disciples. I'm sure Peter was sitting there, there's no way, he even said it, there's no way that I'll turn my back on you. And Jesus told him that when the rooster crows, you'll know because that's just a reminder that you were going to deny me three times. And sure enough, Peter experienced that a little bit later on. But now, can you imagine the trouble that the disciples felt in their heart at that moment? Their hearts had to be troubled. Any one of us that was being told that by our Lord would feel extremely troubled and be like, well, what can we do about this? This is not good. Jesus didn't leave it at that, though, did he? He went on to comfort his disciples. And, he, and, and, and that's really what the first part of John chapter 14 is, is that he wants to comfort 
the disciples and let them know that though I know all of these things and I have told you all of these things, really the reason Jesus is telling them the things that he's telling them is so that they can have confidence that the things that he's teaching them up to this point are true. You see, Jesus told Peter he's going to deny him before he did it. He told Judas, you're going to betray me before Judas betrayed him. Now when all of these things happen, does that give you confidence in who Jesus is? Does that give you confidence and peace that he has a love for us so great that he wants us to know that he's there? He wants us to know that he understands. He wants us to know in our experiences that he is aware of what's going on in our life. He tells us beforehand, in many cases, the things that he's going to do before they're even done. <clears throat> so let us take a look at John chapter 14, starting in verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me that you, will also, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place I am going. Just in those few verses, Jesus has taught us so much. He's already told us so many things that are going to take place in the future. So when that they happen, we know that he's who he said he was, that he is our God, that he is our Christ. He's the one who laid down his life for us. See, this entire chapter centers on the fact that Christ is the one who gives the believer comfort, not only in his future return, but also in the present with the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Jesus prepares his disciples for his departure from earth. He is preparing their hearts for what is about to come with his death, resurrection, and ascension into heaven. Jesus started right out in the scripture in the very first verse of 14 and says, do not let your hearts be troubled. He does not want these things that are about to happen to harm them long term. He wants them to understand that what he has said is going to come to pass is going to come to pass. Jesus did not want them to waver in their determination to serve and to follow him. He knows that they are going to face an enormous loss when he is crucified. They're going to feel that loss. But in a while, they're going to remember some of the things that Jesus told them. When he, is, when he raises from the dead. But he also said, trust in God and also trust in me. And if you look at this, it's not really just the word trust. Really, a more powerful way to say this would be believe in God and also believe in me. For God so loved the world that God, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes 
And this believe is, belief is a trust. It requires action on our part. It requires us to step out in faith and confidence of who Jesus is and confidence of the things that God has taught him, all the disciples and us up to this point. He wants us to believe. It is a perpetual command of Jesus for his disciples to believe, believe, and believe, and never stop believing. Instead of the disciples lending support to Jesus in this time of trial for Jesus that's about to come, instead of them lending support to him, because they know that he's going to die, they know that he's going to lay down his life, he has told them that. But who's supporting who? Who's comforting who here? Jesus has given the disciples comfort, isn't he? He's supporting them both spiritually and emotionally. Jesus was a, a servant to his disciples to the very end, wasn't he? And I would also reckon that Jesus is a servant to each one of us also, if you think about it. He has laid his life down that we can have life. He does not count our sins against us. See, he believes. He is the one who gives us the ability to believe. I apologize. He's the one who gives us the ability to believe and to trust in him and to depend on him. He's the one who changes our hearts. I remember when I first became Christian and when I was seeking God. And I remember my aunt and uncle asking me, hey, do you want to know more about God? And I'm like, well, you know what? I'm not ready for that. I really don't know that much about the Bible as the things that were running through my mind. I got to wait until I know more about God before I can turn my heart over to him. That's not the way it works. You give your heart to Christ regardless of where you're at in life. You give it to him right then and there and trust him to change your heart. It doesn't matter what sin we have in our life, how horrible our lives are going, the, the path that we've taken in our life, it doesn't matter. Jesus loves us right where we are right now. You ever hear that song, Come As You Are? Jesus means come to me with your burdens. I have a burden that is light. My yoke is easy. But we know the burden of sin is not easy, is it? It's not. It's not. But when we have our faith in Christ and we have our eyes on the cross and we're participating in the work of God, you know what he's going to do? He's going to change your heart. The things that you used to think are okay, you're no longer going to think they're okay. If you were someone who was involved in alcoholism and you have alcohol as a big problem in your life, you may become Christian today and still battle alcoholism. You may still struggle with that. But guess what's going to happen in your heart over time? God is going to change your mind about what you think about having another drink. He just is. You cannot enter a relationship with Christ today and be the same as you are today a year from now. Cannot happen. Because when you have Christ come into your heart, 
the Spirit of God enters your life at that moment. You realize that we ourselves are the temple of God? Do we understand that? We are the temple of God. And do you think that God is going to allow his temple to remain the same when there's bad in it that needs to change? He's going to change you. And you know what the amazing thing is? Is you're going to agree with him. You're going to agree. I know the sin in my life that I battle with. And you know, when I do fall in sin, I have to come to God and say, you know what, I agree. What I did was wrong. I agree I was wrong. Forgive me. Help me overcome this, Lord. And you know, the only way we overcome is by the power of God. Someone who's not Christian can't change. They can't. They're living a life the way they're supposed to when they're a non-believer. You can't live as a believer when you're not a believer. And that's why when we're out in the world as believers, we should not judge an unbeliever. That's not our place to judge an unbeliever. See, the way God is going to give an unbeliever confidence that they can have salvation and a confident salvation is by the way we live our lives and the way we talk our faith and the way we demonstrate God's love to them. How many of us ever accept something in our life when we're being condemned? How many of us? How many of us are willing to change because somebody condemned us? We're not going to do it. The way the world changes is when the world sees God's light in you and me. And if we're out condemning the world, how can we have any participation in changing the world? I will say to you that I do not believe that Christ wants us to condemn those around us. He wants us to love those around us. Now, if someone, let me, let me say this, if someone comes to you and says, hey, I'm doing this wrong, is it okay if I continue to do this? Be truthful with them. Don't tell them a lie because you're afraid of hurting their feelings. Don't do that. Because God told us to always be ready to give an answer to those who ask you. But when you are giving that answer, to do it with what? Gentleness and respect. Because every one of us in this room sin. Every one of us falls short of the glory of God. And the only reason we have any salvation is not because of any work that we have accomplished. It's only because of the work that Christ accomplished in us. It's not because of how great we are. It's because of how great he is. He changes our lives. He will change the lives of the people around us too. Our job is to love. Our, lo our job is to share when we're asked to share. Don't be bashful about the truth. 
Don't be bashful if a person asks you something, if it hurts their feelings. But make sure that what you're saying, that you're saying it with gentleness and respect. And that it is the truthfulness of God. And not in a judgmental way. When we take corrective action with our children when they do wrong, do we do it judgmentally? Or do we do it with love? There's a right way to minister to the world. And it's not through judgment. See, Jesus told them, I am leaving here, and I'm going to where my father's house is, and in my father's house, there are many rooms. Je Jesus describes that. The, imagine that many rooms. Hebrews 11.6 describes heaven as a heavenly country due to its vastness. Hebrews 12.22, it is a city due to the large number of inhabitants. 2 Timothy 4.18, it is a kingdom because God is its king. And Luke 23.43, paradise because of its indescribable beauty. Heaven is a place of rest. You know why it'll be a place of rest? Because we won't see sin there. Sin will be removed from us. We will no longer have this body of decay. We will have a new body that Christ gives us and a new name that he has given us. Why not share these things with a lost world? Why not share the hope of a future without sin? When we're sharing with a lost world, why not share with them about our sin and our struggles and our battles? That we struggle, but that we have one that we can lean on that is changing us day by day. Why not share that? Jesus was letting his disciples know that it is good for them that he departs. He wanted them to know that departure would give him the opportunity to prepare a place for them. What do you think Jesus meant by preparing a place? It's a rhetorical question to ask yourself. What was he saying there? There's a lot he meant in that. He really wants us to understand that him leaving is making it possible for us to accomplish other things also. Think about this. When Jesus left, what did we receive? We received the Holy Spirit, didn't we? And the Holy Spirit doesn't just nudge us and correct us when we do something wrong, does he? We all know when we're doing something wrong. And we know it because the Spirit is telling us and letting us know what we're doing or what we're saying or how we're acting is wrong. But he also teaches us, doesn't he? He guides us. He strengthens us. He gives us understanding to God's word when we're reading his word, doesn't he? But Jesus said that I will be back. And when I come back, I'm taking you with me. 
And these words of comfort reveal to the disciples that Jesus just isn't leaving them on a permanent basis. He's just leaving them temporarily and he has all the intentions of coming back. And he also told them, you know the place where I'm going. That's funny to us, isn't it? Because we can look and say, yeah, I know Jesus is the way. He told them, you know the way to where I am going. But Thomas was thinking of a place that we could take a, and get some directions to. Okay, you go down this street and then you make a left and then you go down a little bit further and you make a right and then a little bit, a couple miles down the road and you're going to be there. That's not what God meant, is it? That's not what Jesus meant. We know because we can go to verse 6 and see Jesus saying, I am the way and the truth and the life. And that no one can come to the Father except through me. There's a truth that we all should be willing to share confidently. One way. One truth. One way. One truth. One life. And that's Jesus Christ. We don't have many different pathways to heaven for a reason. We struggle staying on the right path sometimes with one path, don't we? But God loves us so much that he has given us a way to salvation and we don't even have to earn it. We don't have to demonstrate that we are worthy, do we? He accepts us while we are still unworthy. When God said in Hosea, when he said in Hosea that my people have turned their backs on me, he wasn't just talking about Israel, the nation Israel. You realize if you're Christian, you are a true Israel. Right? You understand if you are Christian, you are true Israel. See, God knew that he is going to draw many lives to him. He knew that. And he wants us to know through scriptures, and he teaches us many times through scriptures, Hosea is one perfect example, that Regardless of how unfaithful we are to him, he will never be unfaithful to us. He will keep his promises with us. He will keep his word with us. If we don't want relationship with him, he will keep his word with us and let us go to hell. He will. He's going to remain faithful to the things that he told us. He's going to remain faithful to his truth. If we want a relationship with him, he's going to let us have that relationship. He is going to pour out an abundance of his love into our lives. He promised that he would give every one of us the opportunity to know him. Well, I'll tell you what, everyone sitting in this room today has the opportunity right now to know him because you're hearing the word of God. You're getting the message of God into your life right now. 
Jesus loved for you, loved you. Jesus has died for you. He has given his all, his very best. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, allowed him to be crucified on the cross. Here's the thing. Jesus was willingly crucified on the cross. He willingly laid his life down for us. The Bible teaches us that he could have called legions of angels down to save him and to remove him from the cross. He did not do that, did he? He did not do that. He gave his best for each one of us. Regardless of the path that we take in life, he has given his all to us. Now it's our choice. Do we want what he has to offer? Or don't what we want what he has to offer. But Dave, you don't understand the things I've been involved with in my life. How can this possibly change? How could things possibly get better? How can I get out of the way that I'm living in my life now? Don't worry about that. Believe. Trust. And depend on God. And he will make a way. Amen. He will change your life. He won't leave you where you're at right now. He won't. Guys, this is a message that every one of us here can share. Every one of us. We know this stuff. And you know what? Many of our friends who are unbelievers know this stuff. And you know why they don't trust it and don't believe it? Sometimes it's because of the way we respond to them. The way we act. We all have the ability to speak to someone in love. Never be repulsed by what you see in another person. I will tell you, my daughter, Lindsay, is a drug addict. She has battled with that struggle. What good does it do me or any of you out there to judge her? How does that change her life? God accepts Lindsay just the way she is right now. Dave can't change Lindsay. Can't. The only one who can change the way she thinks and the way she responds and the way she acts is God. The only one. Why not, when we see somebody struggling, show them God's love? That doesn't mean going and giving her cash, does it? Because if you give her cash, what is she going to do? See, we have to be responsible in our love also. But that doesn't change the fact that we have to show God's love. We can do that without condemning. We can do the right things without being condemning. And has Jen and I responded every time with our daughter in the right way? I could tell you the answer to that is no. Do we still know how to respond every time? Do we know, know how to respond to her every time in, in, the, in the interactions that we have? The answer is no. But there is one who does. That's God. 
And if we just take pause and trust God in our interaction and we just lean on him, I think our interactions can always be better than the last one that was negative. Never give up on your friends. Never give up on those who don't know Christ. Don't force them down somebody's throat either. If they're not ready to accept them, they're not going to hear you anyhow. But when they ask you, be ready to give an answer. Always. If you don't know scriptures, only one person can change that. If you're not getting into the Bible and learning it, only one person can change that. I can tell you all day long, read your Bible, pray, study. Can I? What good is that going to do? But I can tell you, you can make change if you depend on God and lean on Him. Ask Him when you're getting into His Word, give you understanding. You're not going to gain understanding without getting into the word. You're not going to gain understanding without taking steps of faith and confidence when you're sharing God's faith with the world. You're not going to know how to do that and be better at it if you're not doing it. Amen. Step out in faith. I got a story to tell you. This is a great story. Yesterday at work, we closed 40 minutes early. They let us go. In two and a half hours, not one customer came in the door. So everybody left. I was watching a video on some training stuff, and I was like, it was about 15 minutes long. I was about five minutes into it, and I'm, I'm going to finish this before I go home, right? So I'm about almost done with it, and someone knocks at the door at the, at the car dealership. They knock at the door, and Cindy's still there also, and she goes up, we're closed. And the guy's like, well, I called somebody, and you said you're open until 4 o'clock. I heard this guy, and I was like, Cindy, I'll help him. I'll help him. So I find out that this guy is a Christian man, and we're just talking and interacting as we're walking out and uh, looking at the cars that he wanted to look at. And, um, you know, we got done. He said, you know, I, I, I don't believe that stuff like this just happens by accident. You know what? Neither do I. I do believe that God places people in our lives at particular times, I do, even in the mundane things in life. But you know what was amazing to me? We went in, we were doing some paperwork and stuff and just doing some talking and next thing you know it's about done, this guy reaches over, grabs my hand and starts praying. How's that for bold? How's that for a man of God? And this guy, without even knowing me, prayed for me. He prayed for my success. He prayed that all would go well with, uh, with uh, my job and all would go well with my family. He doesn't even know me. He prayed that the interaction between him and I in the dealership is profitable for us and going to be good for him at the same time. And he said, in all things, we leave it in God's hand. And he closed in Christ's name. Now tell me, is that a guy who wasn't afraid 
to reach out in his faith and be confident. He wasn't worried about the other people who were in there cleaning up and taking care of things and what they were going to think of him. He was concerned with a stranger's well-being. How is that for a testimony to everybody in here and the way we should interact with the world? How is that for a testimony? God is good. He is so good to us and he loves us beyond our comprehension. But know this. If you don't know God, he loves you right where you're at right now. If you do know him, he wants you to let your spirit and the spirit of God well up into you, overflowing into the world. Do you comprehend what I'm saying there? When you walk out of the house in the morning, people should know there's something different in who you are. You don't have to sing a song about God and, and, uh, and praises to God and say a prayer out loud to where everybody hears you for somebody to know you're different. How about in the way you act and someone coming up to you and saying, you know what, I know I can trust you. I don't know why, but I trust you. Or how about, I'll give you an example of something that happened to me where I can use something that I've experienced just recently. Most people don't trust car salesmen. I know most of you guys don't believe that, that most people don't trust salespersons that are in car sales, or maybe any sales for that matter. But what about this? I was up in the lot the other day. Somebody specifically came to look at a 2008 GMC Acadia that is sitting in our parking lot at work. And that's the only car that they were interested in. They wanted to look at that car, and if it was gone, they were leaving. Obviously, as a salesperson, I'm going to try to get them interested in another car. I told that person, you know what? I cannot, in good, in good conscience, sell you that car. Well, why not? Well, the reason I can't do that is because that car is not going to be a good car for you. If you're not a mechanic, that car is one that I would consider for a mechanic to work on. And then also the mechanic might consider that that's a bad buy, that car. Let me ask you something. Without mentioning that I'm a Christian, without mentioning God to this person at all, do you think that I express God's love to that person there? You think that person saw something different that they may not see in most people who are not Christian? I'm not saying that all non-Christians do, do not have um, integrity. I'm not saying that at all by any stretch of imagination. But do you think that by acting and living in this way that that's positive? Do you think that you might have a, an opportunity of outreach? Let's just turn the story for a second and then I'll close. Just turn the story for a second. This person comes and looks at this 2008 in Acadia and I tell them how great this car is. Yeah, this car runs great. And I get them in the car. They buy the car and drive off. And the car breaks down on them two days later. 
Did I earn their trust and their respect? Do you think that I would ever have an opportunity of ministry with this person? Right living is going to share with the world that there is confidence in your salvation and that they can have confidence in a salvation that they don't have yet. We are God's light in this world. If you're a Christian, you're how God gets the message out to the world. He doesn't do it any other way. He could, but he doesn't. He does it primarily through the church. Just remember that, brothers, and have confidence in your salvation.